Warning, this is a spoiler-based podcast. If you have not seen 2014's Arbor Day, the musical, I will recommend that you go to Amazon Prime right now, watch the movie, come back and join us, because uh, it's going to be a special show. Today, Cult 45 is powered by... Uh, I've got a bottle of water today. Taking it easy. Powered by Sprite. Nice. I'm actually powered by Miller High Life because um, it's for budget reasons. Cold 45 podcast is awesome. <laughs> All right. I hope you thought that. <laughs> Perfectly described our show. Okay, now, right. now scoot, scoot, scoot out of here. I got I to gotta finish this. You know, dad's work. You are now listening to Cold 45, the only cold movie podcast that puts it on your chest. So sit back, relax, pour up, and turn it up. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we are back. It's been a two-week hiatus. We've been doing bank episodes. We're back. This is an episode of Cold 45. Very, very special evening with Chuck Huber. Uh, Hello, everyone. I'm Chuck Huber, and this is my evening <laughs> We're going to have this guy over here because um, uh, he actually talked to us about a movie. Uh, when we did our press junket, it was called uh, Arbor Day the Musical, and uh, it is on Amazon Prime right now. So we highly recommend that you watch this before listening to the rest of the episode. Um, super, super important. Uh, Chuck Hubert, famously known as Android 17, uh, he a from Yu Yu Hakusho. That's Show. right. Now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Dragon of the Darkness. Flame. I, I didn't want to kill people. No. It's, <laughs> so he's also, he's a sergeant, basically sergeant frog, all anime. Period. Yeah, all uh, anime. Yeah, y'all didn't know he does all the voices in Pokemon Go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, very yes. talented. Yes, that is that is the truth. I am all the voices in Pokemon Go. <laughs> um, if that that rumor could spread, that would be awesome. We're on it. You heard it here, people. We're on it. You heard it here. We first. just broke it. You also know him as Dr. Leonard McCoy from uh, Star Trek Continues, which is a fan-based Star Trek web series. I had the pleasure of watching um, the latest episode. Favorite line is when uh, there was like, so what's your prognosis, doctor? It's a rock. <laughs> it's a rock. Shit is hilarious. Damn it, Brandon. I'm a doctor, not a <laughs> podcast talker. <laughs> I also uh, just started watching My Hero Academia. Uh, oh, nice. I haven't even seen it I'm, yet, I'm even though it. I'm in it. <laughs> I, I heard about it from the um, Funimation podcast, uh, Double Talk. That's, oh. a, that's a good one. That's on Twitch, though. They talk about – they, they kind of do okay. what we do, but with anime. Double Talk on Twitch. I'm going to have to – wait, hold on. Uh, let's cut this short. I'm calling Double Talk on Twitch. Is that cool? You no, I'm kidding. Bastard. No, but I... <laughs> Hey, hey that's, that's all right with me. Let's get on Double Talk. Oh, fuck, fuck both hey, of them. Hey, okay. Man. I'll see if I can make that. No, no. Listen, we all rise up together. Fl- uh, rising tide floats all so uh, let's not hate let's just love and everybody can hug and then there will be no more death <laughs> i just solved all the world's problems so easy. Yeah, it was pretty easy all right so here's the deal so we um we thought about doing arbor day the musical because chuck honestly brought it up to us like right off the bat and he's like hey we did a comedy like a guy trying to make a musical about 9-11 and i'm not gonna lie to you the way that you pitch it and the way that the movie actually went like completely different opposite directions like why is that i think it's only because of the shock value of the initial because the 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 distribution company said um we want you to be as horrifyingly shocking within the first three seconds of your trailer 
and I said, uh, okay, uh, let me, let me do, I was like, oh, I know the clip I'm going to use. It'll be the one of me dressed as Muhammad trying to bed my six-year-old second wife, um, Aisha. It'll, it's, it'll be great. Um, and also throw in nuclear bombs. It'll be, you'll love it. And they were like, oh God, I think we've unleashed a monster. But yeah, so uh, that, you know, that's one of those marketing things, I guess. Because yeah, you know, even Jessica, who is my partner, my wife, my uh, artist in criminal activity with me, um, she said that it's it's been interesting to watch me change my sort of uh, position mm -hmm. on the movie because the, the sort of way I used to market it was like, hey, it's a it's a wacky musical comedy about September 11th. Oh, ha ha ha! You know, like to try to be shocking. And lately, right. now that it's on Amazon, I just say uh, you need to go watch my movie, right. especially <laughs> if you were hurt. If you were hurt by 9/11, like if 9/11 hurt you and made things hard this movie takes away that pain. Like this, like a lot of people have been telling me that this movie, one, one of the re uh, people who reviewed it on Amazon was like, I got about 20 minutes in and had to stop and go cry in the bathroom for a half hour. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, and she said, and then I came back and it was a beautiful movie. It was, she said she really thought it, it was uh, like a, pur and that's what I made it as. I made it as a purgative. A purgative's got to make you throw up. You, you got the bad juju inside, you got to get it out. So, there's a lot of broad and horrible humor in the movie because people died that day. Right. But I really believe that uh, because I listened to all the brilliant artists around me that we crafted something that finds all, all people. I will preface it uh, while saying this. Um, as far as the subject material, if anyone is sensitive to, uh, you know, if they had a family members or been involved with 9-11 at any level, I will say this and mean it um the movie actually handled it as tastefully possible as the you know synopsis included you know like it it, it wasn't done completely tongue-in-cheek because like that's what i was prepared for like i ready my body uh starting this movie you know thinking it's going to be um just like a really really wacky movie because <laughs> that's, that's yeah, kind of how it that's was brought definitely to me. that's definitely the vibe i got especially when i first just heard the the description of it i kind of cringed a little bit like oh my god what am i about to watch here and no i, I really felt like like you uh, explained it it was kind of uh, cathartic like sort of uh, you, you you know you got a, a, a stomach flu or something you go puke you feel a lot better and right. uh, yeah yeah I, I just for the people who really want it to be a horrible comedy with really sort of Seth Rogen humor in it, you guys can attest there is definitely some of that in there too. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. There's some legit laughs. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't want, I, didn't, I didn't want people to think I was going soft or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what we typically do, uh, Chuck, we kind of run through the movie, uh, kind of soup to nuts, kind of sort of. We, we, we breeze sure. through the movie, you know, hitting certain points and whatever questions that we have, we'll actually, you know, submit them to you and see what you have to say as far as what your vision was or what your aim was. Can I, can I give you a little setup, a little, little like preface. Absolutely. The start of the thing. Absolutely. So like uh, 9-11 happened and I was a principal of a, a Catholic school. Um, I was doing PA, you know, like like I was a voice actor and a, a teacher and a principal and 9-11 and happened and it, it just struck me the wrong way and I never bought into the sort of mythological narrative that was being crafted mm -hmm. and uh, that eventually turned into wanting to make this movie and when I wanted to make the movie, I knew I couldn't go to all the victim's family members so I happened to have a friend from college whose father is the highest ranking military officer killed at the Pentagon. She's on the board of the Pentagon uh, Memorial, uh, uh, for which we're, we're talking to them about uh, donating a portion 
of each download to the Education Center at the Pentagon Memorial, which they're currently raising funds for. And I went to my friend Karen and, and um, because I told her, I said, hey, look, I'm making this wacky 9-11 musical. Um, I can't go to all the family members, but I know you. Can I come see you and pitch you my movie? And she said, sure. Why don't you meet me at Arlington National Cemetery oh, in geez. General's Row, oh, and we man. can say hi to my dad. And then we'll go to the Pentagon Memorial, where I'll explain to you in great docent detail uh, what everything means at the memorial and I'll point to the window where my dad was killed and I'll say that's where he was having a meeting probably with a cup of coffee in his hand um and then you can pitch me your movie and I was like that is totally fair yeah and so she we did that and I walked that walk with her which is only as a as a spectator it's not as one who experiences it like she does and then we went to this Irish pub and I pitched her my wacky 9-11 movie. And I'll tell you this, immediately she saw what my intention was, even though I had some, some of the broad strokes a little too outside the lines to begin mm -hmm. with. But she knew my intention was to tear down the mythology of that day. And that's the thing she sort of hung on to as something she could support. Because she said she and her sister used to uh, take bets as to how long it would take for any politician making any speech anywhere to say the words 9-11, which to them, and this is what Karen says, it's it's not that horrible day. It's just the day my dad died. Right. And we talked about it, and she went through the whole thing with me of, of, of General Petraeus showing up at her door to let her know finally. And um, she, she gave us one of the best lines in the movie, which is Mich Michelle Speck's uh, line, um, and it's funny because Michelle Specht, who is the actress that sort of embodies the spirit of my friend Karen, mm -hmm. um, uh, Karen, her dad was at the Pentagon that day, and it was almost 36 hours till she found out he had passed. And Michelle, who's playing, sort of embodying the spirit of Karen in the movie, her sister also worked at the Pentagon. Oh, wow. And she went through almost exactly what Karen did, except they got good news at the end of it. Mm. And Karen gave us one of the best lines in the movie, and it's Michelle's line. And it was the sort of the principle that struck me as so difficult to accept. Uh, she said that the hardest thing about that day, she said, she said, hope can be the cruelest emotion. Because every mm. time they thought something would happen and they would have hope and then the hope would be dashed. And to me, that's one of the best lines that uh, Michelle delivers, just that hope can be the cruelest emotion. That's the setup for me making the movie. Also, on top of that, I told my producing partners that if I died of a mysterious heart attack while mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., that they would know the Illuminati got to me. Because prior to this, I'd been um, consulting with a Russian nuclear specialist via encrypted hard drive. Uh, he ended up being on the cover of the New York Times, uh, really? doing pro se representation for Victor Boot, the Lord of War, who he says is just a guy who flies people around and, yeah, there's arms in there, but it's just business. But um, And then after I met with Karen, I went to visit my sister-in-law, who lives next to the Russian embassy, weirdly enough, and then went back to my bed and breakfast and had a massive coronary. And no yeah, yeah, totally like in the cab and, and totally like massive heart attack, had to go to yeah. the hospital, flew me in a helicopter 
and uh, so my producing partners were, of course, thinking that the lizard, the lizard people had used their heart attack gun on me or whatever. I had yeah. read your the website, and it said that you had a 99% occlusion. Yes. Yeah, they call it the Widowmaker, and yeah. I can tell you that that is usually, that's a usually, it's very strange for somebody your age to have something like that. Yes, I was 39 at the time. I had, I had doctors looking at me saying, we don't know why you're alive. And I said, well, I've got a lot of kids yeah. and one on the way, and I'm, 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 I'm an actor, I'm very passionate. And they're like, no, we don't know why you're alive right now talking to us. Wow. Because yeah. you shouldn't have the blood flow you have with your heart not squeezing. And I tried to explain to them that diaphragmatic uh, sort of actor breathing uh, also sort of affects the the whole circulatory system, but they didn't want to learn anything new about their medical practice. Dude, are you really telling me like acting saved your life? Is like, is that, is yeah, that... no, totally. They couldn't. I have big giant lungs. They tried to take X-rays of my lungs, and they had to take two X-rays because they couldn't get it in one piece of film. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And a funny story when I I flew in the helicopter. Uh, went to the best cardiac uh, hospital in the nation with this amazing doctor who saved my life. And um, being wheeled to the, the to my room after getting off the helicopter and like, you know, like 36-year-old African-American dude, like, you know, six foot four, 290, maybe played ball in college, is now uh, a nurse at this hospital, you know, flowing me through the hallways. And he looks down at me and he goes, I heard your Android 17. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. And I was like, I am, and now I'm going to kill you. That's yeah, awesome. so that's that's sort of the setup for the whole movie. Then I had the heart attack. I got over the heart attack, and three months later, we were on set. Wow. Shooting. We talked to you about the uh, about the heart attack during the interview, but we had, uh, we had no idea it was actually around that time that you were doing the movie. That's even crazier. Yeah, just the context. It's so bizarre. Are we gonna? Are we all right talking Probably uh, to not. you? Are we gonna be all right? No, we're all dead. No, 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 no. You guys are all gonna be killed. Yeah, we're all minorities, bro. It's over. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> you guys are all. Why am I even talking to you? That's <laughs> why so I always say, never, never smoke weed with a black man. You don't want to go to jail. You just want a ticket. <laughs> oh man, it's totally true. I, I I completely believe it. Sentencing but, uh, disparity is a terrible thing in this country, in the prison industrial complex. Oh man, please don't get me started on that because like no, I, no. I, I've been dancing around it and trying to avoid it as as tastefully as possible. No, <laughs> I just no. don't want to get into it. No, we, we don't have to get. We we can leave that there. I said enough. I said enough. No, you're, you're doing awesome, man. Uh, All right, comedy. So, uh, Ooh, yeah, my funny heart attack story. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that is super interesting, dude. Don't, don't. Oh, my gosh. Actually, the funniest part was the first time you have to take a poop after they saw your chest in half and wire Ooh. it back together with titanium. It is really hard to poop. Oh, my God. Because there's a lot more chest involved when you do that. Yeah, like you can't. Eh, uh, then the leaning that? forward part is impossible because uh, you get cave your well, chest in. Jesus Christ! You never think uh, about these things. Oh, yeah, no, I like to. I like to give people information to live by. Made pooping scary. Thank you. Very interesting. All right, so let's dive into this movie. Like, um, right. I'm not gonna lie to you, Chuck. The first, I'll say, fifteen to twenty minutes. Right. Everybody has this note. Everybody has this note. No, I, I, I wasn't sure if I can go on, not because right. of um, gut reaction or guttural feelings. Just boredom. Yeah. <laughs> boredom and confusion. You were you were DP. You were editor, producer, writer, director, oh the whole shebang. And, yes, uh, two weeks before we started shooting, I opened the book to the Canon 7D and was like, ah, here's 
that's how I turn it on. And I turned the camera on for the first time. And I was like, okay, I've got two weeks to learn how to shoot a movie. I better read some blogs. Now to be but fair. yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there, no, there's a lot of effed up stuff in it. Go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 no. Cause like, cause, cause, cause I'll preface it by this. Probably John, AKA Sonny Chips is probably the only film snob out of the three of us. We're, we're generally layman right. as far as, um, you know, oh, this, this cut shot here was that he used this lens. We don't really go that deep into it because it's fucking retarded. Right. I will say this. I liked I liked how it was shot to a certain degree, but I felt like in the beginning it was so busy and so right. like uh Jason Borney <laughs> to where I couldn't oh, con- yeah. I couldn't connect with um um the two principal uh actors um at that time was supposed to be um Andy, who was uh right. be played by uh, Jackie Cabe, <clears throat> who's uh, also a fellow voice Jake. actor. Jackie, Jackie yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, screw yeah, yeah. screwed his name yeah, up. Jake. No, no, everyone calls him Jack, but he's sorry. You know, he's a fellow voice actor as well. Um, he's done a lot of Funimation things right. as well, too. And um, William, who was uh, Jeffrey uh, Schmidt, who was the kind of like a, a love interest of uh, Michelle Spate, who, who you talked to right. earlier, who is the super yeah. hot redhead. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Just just tell her I said it yes. when you when you <laughs> bump into her that, that we think she's super That's hot. That's okay. Every, everybody knows, and she knows. And of course she knows. She she's she's also very comfortable in a sweatshirt with a ponytail and no makeup she's also totally cool that way too wait wait who is the girl that was speaking pakistani oh that's mariam obadala beg and her father happens that was the one i had a crush on really yeah no i like she's totally um so her father is obadala beg and he's like like if uh uh, what's the what's the super documentary dude ken burns if Ken Burns and Alex Trebek were the same person, Jesus. that's who Obadullah Beg is. Wow. Right? So, like, the biggest game show, intellectual game show host, slash also the best documentary filmmaker. Um, Man. Yeah, yeah. So she's like, she's like Pakistani royalty. So she's in that clip. Uh, she's playing Aisha, the six-year-old second wife right. of uh, <laughs> the Prophet Muhammad. P-B-U-H. Uh, but she's pretty important. She's done plays in Dallas where uh, her family has gotten threats from the Taliban because wow, of the really? content of the plays. Yeah. So when I was portraying the prophet Muhammad, P-B-U-H, that, you know, with her, uh, she was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to get killed. And wow. you know what I honestly believe? I think a lot of that is hype. I think a lot of it's American hype to make us afraid of the Middle East. I think for the most part, Middle Easterns are like, yeah, they're making fun of my dude, but, you know, whatever. Like 99.9% of them, just like Christians, man. Like like somebody puts a, a, a crucifix in a jar of pee and, you know, yeah, 99.9% of the Christians are like, whatever. Yeah, because we... The 0.1% is going to flip out. Us as a nation, like we, we, we poke fun at Jesus all the time, so it's like... All the time. It's, it's no big deal. So that would make sense. That would make way more sense than the... Uh... Yeah, but uh, I think the real point was that Miriam's totally hot, and, and that's yeah, that's yeah. all we're trying to say yeah. here. Right. She, no, and she also listen. Jessica and I, my beautiful, lovely wife, partner, uh, you know, godsend to my world. She and I went to a dinner at uh, Greg and Miriam's house. Greg is Greg Lush is the radio announcer in the movie, right? And we went to we went to her house, their house, and and see, this is the other thing. Miriam also is an amazing cook. She will make you like she just throws food around until it's tasty and then puts it on your plate. It's pretty awesome. I wanted to also uh, comment on the shooting style, too, Um, especially in the first, like, I'd say half of the movie. Mm -hmm. I was really, really uh, up close and personal 
a, like really up in these actors' face, and it felt like really kind of invasive, kind of. And I think that really uh, went along with the sort of theme of the movie, uh, with these people getting getting these emotions out in, in some scenes. And um, yeah, yeah, I thought that yeah, was it, really interesting. It, interesting. Yeah, um, thank you. I, interesting is good. Um, <laughs> the um, yeah, it totally is. The uh, the a lot of what would happen on set as we're because about eighty percent of the movie was scripted and twenty percent was improvised, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe it's more like 70 30 but there was a pretty solid script like jonathan's monologue at the end of the movie was straight word for word plus swear words which he added um the monologue that i wrote oh really but, yeah yeah absolutely that was that was straight up something he had two pages he had to memorize wow a lot of times we'd be on set and um like my style as a director is to not let the actors know like like a lot of times scenes would be ruined because an actor would realize that we had already started filming about 10 minutes into the scene and they would go, are we, are, are you rolling on this? Oh, man. So oh, they would no. interrupt the scene and uh, a lot of times we were able to cut it out. People just thought they were talking. People just thought we were discussing and I would give my eye to Kellen, my amazing sound man. And I'd go, dude, start rolling with my eyes. And he would start rolling and my camera would turn on and people would just keep talking and we would just keep shooting. I, a lot of time, like I don't say action, like I don't yell action. I think mm -hmm. that's a horrible way to treat actors. Like, like, okay, let's calm down. Everyone settle, settle. And I'm screaming at you, which is just the worst way to start. Make art. <laughs> right. I'll behave like life is real. You're like, ah, I'm terrified. Well, you know, that's um, so, a question like, I had. Did any of the people, it seemed like some of them were getting into somewhat real arguments. There were times on set where I was not sure uh, whether I was refereeing an actual fight or shooting something for my movie. Right. Um, and, and a lot of it is a testament to the actors because they would embody the role so hard. Like I, uh, the audition scenes where everybody's auditioning, I told everybody to come in as their characters to the audition and we just set up an audition and we just held an audition for, you know, imaginary musical. And there were uh, Brina never broke character in the, the waiting room ever. So like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just a very, it was a very organic experience. So naturally, the black guy just had to start busting out with some raps. He's like, I know how to, I know how to get myself <laughs> yeah, in this. I, 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 I like so that like, hey, uh, You got any Luda? Yeah, that was, that was you so got painful. Luda. Oh, that Listen, was it was. <laughs> that was so it's bad. funny because oh, Ted, that's Babsy Paya. He's such an awesome Nigerian dude, going off to New York right now, and uh, he's going to be very successful. And I will be like, he is in my movie doing something funny. Um, the treatment of that character is a very great uh, statement on white racism. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because right. my movie doesn't, it's got, it's got people of color. It's got a uh, Central American and it's got a uh, Pakistani, but that's it. There's no black people except Babs right. who comes in and is asked to do if he has any rap. And so he's, you know, uh, the part that was cut out is he just sang Old Man River. Ooh. So, like, like, <laughs> just the, the statement of, like, this... I know. I know. I know. I know. No, no, Old no. Man River. Oh, God. Uh, just the, the idea that, like, do you have any Luda? Like, like that's just... I'm trying to say I'm part of your culture, but I'm actually being a righteous above you prick. You know what I mean? Like, right. do you have any Luda? Like, uh, I'm 
like that doesn't mean I like rap. Right. I uh, might you like see, You can see him kind of struggling, like, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's like, this is totally not me. Uh, <laughs> Watch out, mouth. It's ridiculous. Ooh. It was so cringeworthy. It was so cringeworthy. It was yeah, brilliant. So it was brilliant. I'm sorry, but um, you brought up Brina, Brina Palencia, who's uh, who also helped uh, with the writing and the story, correct? Oh yeah. And yeah. um, uh, for for nerds out there, she's also uh the voice of Chaosu um on the later part um when they redid DBZ around 2009. And if you're a video game player, she was Mad Moxie in uh Borderlands 2. A little bit of trivia mm-hmm. for y'all. Uh, but she was yeah, she's been doing anime since she was Nina in Full Metal Alchemist. Yes. And that's super awesome. And she's very talented. Uh, the song that she wrote, um, oh, yeah. Odds and Unders, really good song. And I like how when you guys were doing your uh, audition uh, montage deal, uh, you know, you, you had to bring it in. Like, she wrote that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we were at a pre-production meeting two days before I had my heart attack in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And I had the entire cast and production crew over at my parents' house to sort of like lay out the whole thing because I sort of gathered everybody individually and so I was like I wanted to collect them all together and say this is what I'm thinking about here's some mood reels here's some images to think about and I had asked Brina if she I said would you sing a song and somebody else had a song and a couple of people had poems I was like bring what you want to bring to this movie and she sang odds and unders uh, one of her own songs from uh the beginning to the end and it was so beautiful and we were like it kind of set the tone for the whole project because mm-hmm. it was like she just gave so hard right there in that moment so it was it was a that that uh, song had a much bigger part in my heart in the movie when i started it by the end it just got a couple of little notices but that's what happens with movies you end up cutting the heart out of your tiny baby child and watching it die in front of you and then you just say well at least we're down to 137 spoken like a true editor but i I do have to ask you this i do have to ask you this because to me personally i felt like the way that you cut andy's and william's uh whole relationship like was that was a lot of that hitting the cutting room floor would you have edited the movie differently like you know hindsight wise there was a lot more with them two that was just never addressed really like the 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 relationship between william and um um, our our hot redhead god fuck you where were you (laughs) god where were you when i was shooting this shit nobody ever said that really nobody ever said hey why don't you split yes damn it you're so totally right i don't don't know if you're fucking with me i don't know no no not at all not at all i'm being totally serious you're totally right that sort of that sort of empties the front end uh, the front end of the movie of the yes damn it yeah they they just sort of you just sort of um you introduced this what i think is going to be the still subplot and nothing never went no, you're totally right. I missed out. I missed that whole opportunity. And and here's the thing: the movie clocks at 120. Right. Like I could add, I could add seven to ten minutes of Andy William connection. Mm-hmm. I could have shot that and edited that into the movie, and it would have been a better movie. And you're totally right. Damn it. Do you think? Where were you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Call me. Call me for I the know. next one. I'll happily, happily All jump right. on. Oh, um, <laughs> all right. We'll let look at it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that'll actually happen. But um, what about? Yeah. Well, no shit, dude. I use people like when I have disparate, like interesting people. When when I'm doing something, I want everybody's view on it. That's my mode as a director. Is I'm like, listen, I think I'm a hundred percent fucking right. So I'm going to throw down so hard for my truth. And I want other people around me who are going to throw down for theirs. And then we'll stitch it all together in right. a quilt. Y'all cozy and snuggle. So 
the, the thing is, like, the, 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 the movie took, like, such a hard turn um, right around the workshopping of the music. Because, like, because the thing is, I felt like the weird part was you were so close and so in their face, like uh, uh, Chips was saying, as far as, like, how in your face your style was with filming. You know, you had to get a, you had to, uh, you know, focus some, get out of focus, you know, to, to kind of change in between people. But I felt like yeah, I was uh, I was another player in the scene for sure. When the actors were acting, they started to learn where I was putting the camera, and mm -hmm. their their sort of skills would pop when I would connect with them. So the whole in and out of focus and the the like the 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 handheld thing was me definitely being um, an active player in each uh, scene. So so you think you think yeah. they got they got more adjusted to you because like I felt like they were so distant in the beginning I felt like that attributed to not feeling connection to you know William and Annie because they're, they're supposed to be a big overarching you know part of the story. No, yeah, no, you solved the whole front end of the movie and I'm pissed at you for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it director's cut coming soon. This is the first time no, he's actually. I, 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 didn't shot, I didn't shoot it. Oh, yeah, that's shoot. right. You didn't shoot it. No, you're but, totally uh, right. The whole front end of the movie could have been anchored by their relate. You get hints of it. You get right. sort of the sketch of it. You you understand that there's a history there, but you could have definitely used some meat of that relationship at the beginning of the movie. That's totally true. You totally could have made a two-hour movie, and it would have been fine with me. Personally, because it was uh, the first time. Well, the first time it was screened, it was almost two hours and forty-five minutes, oh, and that was Jesus. a whole. <laughs> that's long. Oh, that's oh, a long movie. Oh, oh, yeah, that's oh. that is back. That is back when the movie ended, and this is where the movie. Okay, so uh, this is this is secret secret stuff about the movie. So the movie originally, the Max character, you know, the guy who's yes. like, I think yes. it was, you know, he's big sort of tough dude and all that uh, stuff. Matthew, um, the military guy. Matthew Tompkins. Matthew Tompkins, yes, who is shooting the harrowing next week with a bunch of stars, and I happen to also be in it. Oh, excellent. But, excellent. Uh, yeah, I've got one scene. I'm, I'm so happy my buddy put me in this movie. It's badass. But so um, uh, uh, Matthew Tompkins' character originally in the movie, when we shot it, um, he was a government uh, intelligence plant and not a real actor and at the end of the movie when they get close to production he kills everybody in a mass shooting wow so um that wow. was all that, yeah that was all cut out of the movie like that all like like when we tried to make the movie that didn't make sense with the emotion that was happening between the characters and it, it became way more about how people were dealing with their own lives and not about like conspiracy uh you know, silliness. Well, I got, I got to um, ask you this. Why did you keep it as a dream sequence then? Yeah, I was just going to ask, was that like a shout out to, to what, what didn't uh, come to be or something? Listen, if you shoot for two days in a Masonic Lodge in Oklahoma, God damn it, you're going to use that footage somewhere, <laughs> even if it's in a dream sequence. You are going to put that shit somewhere because everybody worked really hard for two days. Right. So that shit's got to show up in somebody's dream. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the, the thing became the metaphor for the director, like my production is going to fall apart. And right, so it was right. a metaphorical uh, mass shooting of his art. Yeah, I, I actually prefer that as a dream sequence because that would have been just way too abrupt and way too... Um... 
it, it you know it, it would have closed it off where it wasn't you know open ended, but it was it, it would have left you kind of yeah. just wanting like well well shit you know. So I'm I'm kind of glad it would have turned it. off a lot. Yeah, it would have turned off a lot of people from the experience of the movie because they would have had to make a choice at the end. It forces a choice that isn't necessary, where you can leave the movie where we leave it, right? Which is. Uh, just silence and I, I don't know I think people just find each other and we hold hands and like <laughs> that's it that's it that's the only thing you can do with life you just you just have to walk forward I have okay. a brief secret here I really was expecting a musical oh like a, oh <laughs> like yeah. a legit no, musical that's really what I was expecting walking into this thing listen it's more like a once musical it's mm. more like lived in songs that happen it is not a musical musical i wanted desperately to have about 30 percent more of the actual musical elements but all of the musical proper stuff that was shot for arbor day the musical the stage musical that the director is making right, right. all of that all of those songs firefighter jesus the don't let the sun go down on me to oh don't God. let tower one fall oh my god that, um, that's, that was probably my favorite like, scene in the movie yes <laughs> listen you haven't even seen the half of it that that scene that scene has so, like when when i start cutting dvd extras there is so much to show people oh, but yeah that whole all that musical stuff every single bit of it was filmed in about an hour and 45 minutes oh wow. really the dance sequence, the making up of the song. Like I told Vic, I was like, look, we don't have time. We have one day and I've got 16 scenes to film. Like we're going to get to this musical part and I just need you to be there. And I need you to rally this crew and make a song happen. And literally what you see on film is Vic Mignogna dragging people towards like sonic perfection. Like, yes. it, it, like watching him like make songs happen with people and then everybody contributing and turning it into a song. It, it, it was, re uh, it's way more magical when um, in the DVD extras, well, Trey me... Walt comes in. I didn't know what song he was going to sing. And he did his version of firefighter Jesus. And I was like, I, I didn't know that was going to happen. And I just filmed it. I liked, I liked how he was like something, something rhymes with Jesus. <laughs> right. Now you brought up Vic. You brought up Vic uh, uh, Mananga, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. for the nerds, just paying attention. He, he played Jason, the uh, Christian rock guy, which, uh, you know, Vic actually is a Christian singer. And uh, I think you put, you did, uh, was that footage from his uh, concert that you yeah. saw in there? Yeah. Well played. Oh, from, okay. All right. To, to, to let me know he's big. But he's also Edward Elric from yeah. Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. man. Nagato. Yeah. Really? yeah. Yeah. Why did I get so secretly excited right there? Yeah, all Donaldson <laughs> finally waking up over right. Oh yeah, uh, no, my my mic keeps acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been funky. he's been secretly holding it down because his uh, computer been acting, been acting retarded this whole time. But um, mm. he's also uh, Nagato from Naruto and uh, Captain Kirk from uh, Star Trek uh, Continues, oh, and yeah. uh, he did a excellent excellent job. But I do have to ask: Was there a gay storyline that was uh, scrubbed? Really? I'm asking only because uh, I caught. When it was, he was talking about his musical preferences, mm -hmm. uh, not to make fun of him if he's being serious. I'm sorry, Vic. But uh, he was talking about his musical preferences, um, how he kind of <laughs> made sure that he introduced himself to Max. And then the hose comment when he was uh, making up the song 
about the uh, firefighter Jesus to uh, I think uh, spray him down with his hose. Hose him uh, down. Right, right. Sure, sure, sure. So like, was that was that was that a thing that y'all gonna work on? And it just didn't happen, or was that just naturally occurred and just was left alone? <laughs> here's here's what's funny is that Vic has gotten from people like the most unconscionable um, sort of vitriol for uh, being at the same time uh, a pro homo and anti homo like he gets it from he, listen if it's a gay porno he's taking it in the mouth and the ass okay that's, I'm just going to say that out loud Poor guy. Uh, I know from, from the communities that have problems with homosexuality mm -hmm. and Vic like our DP on Star Trek Continues is a uh, uh, a beautiful homosexual in a committed loving relationship a spirit of joy on our sets um and uh yeah okay so yeah homos are awesome um but like vic vic has gotten the tag of homo and he's gotten the tag of homophobic and he's right. gotten the tag like he gets all tags and i was like look dude you've got a high voice it plays this way right um that may be something that people think and he's like i've gotten it my whole life I've gotten either I'm super homophobic or or I'm closeted and I'm just I'm just me I'm just me and and I love Jesus and I well I don't know why people got to try to make me something I'm not and and uh, and if you if you know anything about Vic he is uh, most certainly heterosexual and um, uh, so like the 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 tones that came through in the movie. Mm -hmm are tones from his life. Like that is, that is something that is a, uh, like all the actors got to put tones of their own life into mm -hmm. the movie. And so that's what you're sensing. Oh. It was never, it was never a scripted part of the storyline, but I knew like you, you do Christian eighties rock star. You can, right. you know, almost put gay at the end of that without any problem. <laughs> you know what I mean, okay. like, uh, because yeah, it's totally gay. So and, it was just nicely is, applied. Yeah, yeah. Vic is unapologetically 80s. Like, he loves the 80s. And he loves Barry Manilow. And he loves, like, stuff you could not make up. Like, he is, he, is, he is that culture. And he loves it. And he rocks it. And he uh, his fans love it. So, you know, yeah. I couldn't do it. That kind of shows when those two girls are kind of busting his balls over his old yeah. tapes. Right. And uh, right, he's right? Like, yeah, I'm net. He's just shrugging it off, you know, yeah. just. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's a little little director pop up here. That is actual footage of Vic on Star Search. Wow. Wow. YouTube YouTubing now. Wow. How many how many stars you got? I have to know. How many stars? Was it three and three and three quarters? I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it, it, he gave me actual CBS footage of him on Star Search for the movie. Wait, this dude, the listen, the Mignogna, M-I-G-N-O-G-N-A. Oh, yeah, it's, it's on YouTube. Awesome. Okay, so, like, this dude, he knew I wasn't making uh, a Christian movie, but right. I said, will you write me a your most badass Christian anthem about September 11th? And he walked into fucking rehearsals with Firefighter Jesus that was just amazing. Like, and it came from his heart, and to have a, a, a fellow artist give you something from their heart 
that they know is going to be used in a way that is is comical is like that is a true artist i do have to bring this up because uh, i'm really curious about where you stand with this because uh you vic uh michelle all have been in um the star trek continues web series and i don't know if you heard right. um down the line that they're actually uh paramount and cbs are kind of flipping shit because uh, i think axiom or something like that um axonar oh yeah we know all about yeah this. that thing is getting like a shit ton of money to where it scared them to where they're now like basically cutting off the legs of a lot of web series and stuff saying what they have to do as far as um, rules and guidelines to um right. to do stuff so as far as you know if you have crew that you're paying that's not going to work uh you can't have star trek in a title you gotta say it's a star trek uh fan film uh, you can't do episodic stuff, and that really falls on you guys. Plus, it can't be um, more than 15 minutes, which basically wow, really kind of puts a damper on Star Trek Continues. And um, I don't know if you guys are – because it, it, it didn't say you guys are done doing it. Um, also, I, I got that from Superhero Speak. I got to give those guys sure. a shout-out because they're, they're in their podcast, Mafia, and our whole little network. Shout-out to those guys for, uh, for that information. But um, what's your thoughts on that? This is a quick uh, tangent. No, it's a good tangent. It's an important tangent, too, because um, uh, uh, and also a testament to Vic as an executive producer, because what Axanar did was Axanar kind of spoiled the waters for everyone. They raised like one point six million dollars and produced a 10 minute video and had a bunch of salary for people and selling merchandise they didn't have the right to sell and like they they just took the fan series thing and cranked it up to 11 and tried to suck it dry and that caused the reaction from cbs and paramount and the rules that they gave are eh, i think they're missing the boat i sent a a, a personal email to the ceo of uh whatever his name is i can't remember his name but i figured out his email from looking at other emails on cbs right. pro tip um <laughs> uh, and it, it didn't bounce back so somebody looked at it but i think i think they're missing the boat on the fan series because um like if you look at something like uh death battle or right. uh, rooster teeth uh I, I also think funimation missed the boat on this uh, in terms of like dbz abridged right like there is a whole freaking professional farm team of content creators who are making all your stuff for free and they are connected to you and all you needed to do was own them and become part of them and 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 so i think the guidelines kind of missed the spirit of that i think they should have just just like owned uh, actually what i sent to uh, uh, les moonvies the head of cbs i said you should start a channel called the Star Trek fan channel, and it should be a Netflix type, uh, two ninety nine a month or four ninety nine a month to watch all the Star Trek fan shows. And like suddenly you've you've leveraged all of that stuff that people are doing in a way that was never been leveraged before. Right. And I don't know. I think they I think they missed the boat. As far as how it's going to affect us, it's not going to affect us at all. We are. Uh, uh, on track to finish our series the way Vic envisioned, and that comes directly as a testament to his really good relationship with Star Trek Legal, who has said um, nothing that I know of, but all I know is that I believe we're going to be able to finish out the series in a complete way so everybody can oh, feel satisfied that we've, we've, we've done our job. 
Because they're not they're not out to stomp all the fan series. They're out to stop people from cashing in in a sort of unscrupulous way on mm. a property that they have no copyright to. I got you. Well, XNR. <laughs> Sorry. Like I, I will say this, and I'll leave the point alone. Um, I, I did take the time to watch the uh the show because I was really curious about it because I didn't know about it until after the press junket. And uh, I gotta say, you guys totally captured the feel of the old school. Uh, Star Trek and I really got a kick out of it like I know it wasn't supposed to be com- like continuously funny but some parts just had to crack me up man just because you guys stayed in oh, yeah. the the whole act- acting style everything you guys totally nailed it and uh, I think uh, Papacorn was on there as well um, oh, yeah, a whole bunch of other voice actors which is kind of kind of mirroring um, Arbor Day where you, you guys have mostly uh, voice actors um, Listen, you know, you know what's funny is that if you're uh, making a movie or making a series, you go first to the people you trust and the people that are your friends. And we were lucky enough to stumble into this sort of anime world and all get connected that way. Mm-hmm. I know so many super talented people now because of this job at Funimation. So, yeah, of course, when you're going to make something, you call the people you know and you say, hey, let's let's get in the playground and play together. Yeah, why not? Uh, work with what you know. Now, Unless you can get Tom Hanks and then get Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got his number laying around. Let me see if I can. Do you really? Call. Okay. It's probably uh, rolled up in his me. underwear somewhere. <laughs> I, had a, I had another question. There's one part of the entire movie that touched me more than any other part mm. was the sleepwalking part. Oh, was that re- and the only reason why is the problem one of the main problems Mrs. Being Black has with me there will be some nights where I will go in and drink totally won't remember it but she says I will walk to the uh, either the closet or a corner and just piss Whoa. like no shit hmm? <laughs> she claimed <laughs> I've never seen the evidence for this to be true so I had to know was that story legit or was she was it part of the script hmm Hmm. Um, I'll tell you, when we got to that scene, and that'll be a really lovely DVD extra, because that whole scene is about 22 minutes long, Mm -hmm. and most of what you see is the first take. And it was one take, and it was beautiful. And we did a second take, and we did a third take of a portion, like a pickup, and Mm -hmm. I gave Brina the instruction that she needed an emotional story to tell. So that's all I gave her. She, I said, you need to have something you can share when this piece of information is revealed. And so she came up with that whole sleepwalking story. That was the, the what you see on film mm-hmm. is the first time I saw that Good Lord. story. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, question yeah. Kellen Kellen Voss still says, that's the day I cried on set. And we, we were all crying. It was a really beautiful moment. Like I, I really did like their storyline. Um, I also like the fact that we only got snippets of the musical that could have happened. Like um, I right. feel like it was super goofy and super gaudy, and then it was because of uh, I, I think Andy's flippant attitude towards um, what actually happened because he had a a partner in crime who was uh, Eric, which I felt like Eric and Andy's uh, relationship was built built on more than Williams and Andy's. And Eric was a equal conspiracy theorist as he was. And there was a scene that you have. I got to ask your choice on um, when they were kind of comparing conspiracy theories, like back and forth right. and being really right. like um, it was like a whole other language happening. And then you had like right. a weird uh, like sound effect kind of distortion thing. Like what, like, like what was what was your intention when you did that? Oh, if you watch it again, what you'll see is that they're speaking to each other psychically in that moment. So, because all of us who are tinfoil hat people can speak to each other psychically. It's true. 
Is that like an insider joke with uh, with fellow conspiracy theorists, or no, no? It's it's uh, it's uh, it's kind of how I was trained as an actor. Like, if you have a scene, how can you heighten it? And when there's no place left to heighten the scene, like, how can you heighten it further? And like, the only place for that scene to go when they were talking about you know chemtrails and JFK, and they're just sort of bouncing the ping pong ball back and forth so hard at each other. Mm. Like, the only thing they could throw down towards each other at that point was can you hear my psychic uh, thoughts <laughs> yes i can and also answer your question properly and those, so and it was hugs. you know I, I... <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> right i'm so glad you also understand that the world is a video game and there are giant trolls with untold sums of money controlling it basically maybe what i believe i don't know maybe i don't believe that at all well, okay, so let, let, let me ask you that. Like, how how deep into the conspiracy theory are you? T are we in here? Are we talking like Bill Burr believing? Um, you know, there's eyes wide shut parties happening every day, and uh, uh, uh hmm. I know some very rich people, and they have confirmed to me that rich people are totally weird and have weird parties. Um, if you get rich on a global scale, like there's a there's a great word picture from a Dutch economist named Jan Penn who talks about the, the world's um, wealth. If you were to sort of allegorize it in terms of a parade walking past you and people's height would be equated with their worth, hmm. that you take the world's population and parade it past you in an hour for like the first three minutes you don't see anything because those people are underground. They, they owe more than they're worth. And then people start growing five inches to, you know, 10 inches, two feet, three feet, about 60% in, you get to about five foot six people like regular humans making 40,000, $60,000 a year. And then you get like, you know, 50, 60, uh, 50, 55 minutes in, people are getting to be like 12 feet tall and like making two or $3 million a year. And, and, and then you get to like, you know, the, the, the last you know, like 58 minutes and people are like 20 30 40 feet tall these people are like massively rich and then you get to the very last eight seconds of that parade and the very last eight seconds of that parade suddenly these 952 foot behemoths these titans if you will come walking by so uh we really are in Attack on Titan. No, there's there's like eight seconds of super giant wealthy people who, uh, they're bored, man. This video game is boring to them. They own all the money. They trolled all the stuff. They did all the things. They started all the wars. And they're like, I don't know. Let's use nuclear bombs to blow up some buildings in New York. Start That'll playing Risk awesome. for real. <laughs> right. No, I mean, the funny thing is like, you say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory, but the most popular uh, sort of conspiracy theory uh, television show of the day was The X-Files. The spinoff was one called The Lone Gunman. Yeah, yeah, in March of 2001, prior to September 11th, the pilot episode of the most popular tinfoil hat television show ever, the pilot episode of the spinoff had as its plot a fat cat banker military industrialist taking over commercial jetliners with magic remote control to fly them into 
the World Trade Center Towers 1 and Tower 2 in order to start a war without end in the Middle East. Yikes. Because they wanted money. I'm not a super big conspiracy theorist, but I do like to research them. Some of the, the most difficult part about it is, is that a lot of things that if you were to rewind, I don't know, 100 years ago, and tell somebody, hey, if you were to travel back in the past, be like, hey, this is actually happening, like the Tuskegee, Tuskegee experiments on black people. Right. They would oh, look yeah, at you yeah. like you're a nutbag. Like, they're not giving syphilis to people, you silly bitch. What are you talking about? <laughs> they wouldn't do that. They're, they wouldn't they're do that. This is our government. Fluoride in the water is good for you. <laughs> What's wrong with DDT? That's, what are we talking about? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting video game we're in, but it is... Uh, I always coach people that when they're looking at world events or diving into the rabbit hole, like the main point I make is that you should have a release of fear. That if this were a video game and like suddenly buildings blew up in New York in your video game, like you're going about your boring video game trying to collect money and get a better car or whatever, and suddenly buildings blew up in New York, you would be like, this is the best fucking video game ever. Because wow. buildings just blew up in New York. Like, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, God, I'm scared. Right. And the key is that I think these power players know how to play the game and have no fear. And they try to create fear in us. And I think our job as the ants is to release that fear through art and creation and whatever you know other way we can do it. And then, you know, sort of uh, allow ourselves to be. Yes, come in. No, no, you can come in. Samson, hi. This is my son, Samson. Hello. He just on the hi, door. Samson. Samson, you want to come say hi to the, the Cult 45 podcast? <laughs> Special <laughs> candid moment here on the nope. show. Come here. Say hi. Say, hello, Cult 45 podcast is awesome. What? Say, hello. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Samson's, he's, he's, also, he's autistic. He's definitely on the spectrum, and uh, so he's always very fun to hang around with because he's like a, a beautiful alien, uh, I don't know, emperor who's in our <laughs> weird human world and is like, you people do things in a strange manner, and I'm going to teach you how I do them. And you have to be like present as a parent to That's allow awesome. that. He's fun. He's does, he, fun uh, does he enjoy any of your work? Uh, nice. Yet, not yet. Not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Not, none, none of, and I have seven children. None of them have really gotten into anything I've done Good yet. Lord, man. The, yeah, I know. I know. I've got Jess has two, and I have five. So together we have seven. Man, y'all ain't playing, man. Right, listen, listen. We we jacked into this game and set that shit on expert. Okay? <laughs> we are working it hard for the XP. You know what I mean? We are trying to. We are trying to gain that XP as quick as we can. Yeah, you're, you're definitely but, level yeah. grinding, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think is interesting is the, um, you countered the belief of um, conspiracy theory with guttural reaction of actual casualties lost at the end of the movie, which I thought was very brilliant um, with one of the most amazing monologues I've actually listened to which I was because because I'm not gonna lie to you I, I wanted to check out the movie in the beginning because I was like I don't I don't know where this is going because I didn't really totally know. better the William relationship yeah you're right okay yeah sorry, stop telling sorry, me how sorry, wrong I was sorry, sorry we got it sorry okay we got it. <laughs> suffered through the first 20 minutes 
and you'll be thankful for the last yes. hour. Yes, yes, yeah, the gutted hour. Oh, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, no, it's true, it's true. But it, but it, but it made everything make so much sense. And the 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 dog baseball bat theory, it, which I'm sure for some super pet lovers is defensive, but for me, it made perfect sense of uh, where we are as society as far as yeah. how do we approach it because it's always no, let's not go there and yeah. and brilliant absolutely right it, it was it was fucking brilliant and 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 it felt like jonathan portrayed that like those lines so accurately to where i thought it was just coming off the top of his head so like kudos to him he did that he did that shit and that that all goes to john i wrote i wrote a pretty good monologue he tried to quit the movie uh, four days before shooting Wow. And that monologue originally was going to be said by a waiter in a coffee shop. And when Jonathan threatened to quit the movie, I said, this monologue is yours if you want it. Mm. Stay in my movie. What he did with that monologue, um, and, and, and like here's like a little secret backstory. He, that was the, what you see almost entirely in um, the film. We had three cameras rolling this was his third take mm. i am the director and this is this is the way art works i am the director my camera died the battery died about 14 seconds into his monologue mm. so everything you see in this brilliant take of his monologue was shot by jeffrey schmidt and gregory lush so the most beautiful part of my movie, the most brilliant part of my movie, I had almost no input into. Like the best part of my movie was done by other people and I was powerless. And I think that's a beautiful statement about art. And like if you draw the right artist to you and let them do their work, you're going to get some gold and you'll get blamed or lauded for it. Wow. Um, regardless of whether or not it's yours. Wow. Also have to say, wow, that's amazing. Also have to say, um, the song Nicotine and Styrofoam, Benedict Arnold, right. uh, kind of like before it, you know, before that scene happened, you know, we had the, the, the scene being black brought up about the, the lake, the, the lake and the sleepwalking. And then they immediately right. went into that song. <laughs> like as soon as it's like, you're already mm-hmm. raw. And it's like now to coax you with this song to make you feel slightly better and sad. And, right. um, Really brilliantly done, like just really brilliantly done. And I kept looking back. It's like he told me, Chuck told me to my face that it was a comedy man. <laughs> I'm sitting here, like, <laughs> like I'm in my fucking feelings, like the whole movie. And I'm just like, right. son of a bitch. And it's like the pitch is what angered me more than the actual film itself. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I wish you told me because I would, I would watched it regardless. How would you pitch it? Tell me, since you already how would I pitch it? How would I pitch it? How would you pitch it? Yeah, because uh, that's that's been a problem all along. It's sort of like Lars and the Real Girl. Have mm. you guys seen the movie? Oh Lars yes, and yes, the- uh, that yes. Love amazing. that movie. Love that movie. Okay, it's a fucking amazing movie about acceptance, uh, like pure love, acceptance, and neurodiversity, and like like it's a beautiful movie. But the only way to sell it is, uh, you know, weird dude buys a sex doll. Like, there's no way to, like, tell the And I sort of felt in the same predicament with Arbor Day. I was like, how do I how do I appropriately convey what this and and sort of the where I've been landing lately is that this is a healing mechanism for the wounds of September 11th. But um, uh, I don't know. I will say. like a 
a dark comedy mockumentary about a guy trying to make a musical about 9 11. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what the, the I had them switch the the Amazon um, sort of blurb that was up there. They had this other blurb, and I was like, no, put the provocative, offbeat comedy yeah. about a director trying to make a September 11th musical. Now, was uh, was the subject matter an issue when it when it came time to talk about like distribution? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, like, like here's the thing: ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people were like, "I do not wish to touch you." Global Genesis mm. saw my movie and went, "Oh, th- this is this can this is a good thing because it's it's got a it's got a hook that is weird and different." And um, so they took they took a chance on me and I, and I appreciate them for that and they've been very helpful and like I never thought my movie would land on Amazon and be viewable to the world for the rest of eternity I right. guess oh, is that what Amazon is but, <laughs> yes um, <laughs> essentially uh, but that makes your movie done like when you've shown it to the world when the world has access to it you're done. Like you got to, you know, you do some podcasts and you try to promote it and try to get more people to see it, which is what I'm bent on doing for the next year. But they made my movie happen on Amazon. And so I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's a hard it's a hard subject matter, but I think you just have to ignore it. Well, t- well, well typically with these movies, we we rate them like we don't do like, you know, five stars and all this other stuff. We kind of at first it was like, would you pass it along? And then we kind of have fun with it where we have um if it's a movie that we like, we always joke about how we break out the knee pads and so on and so forth. Right. And okay. uh, Mr. Being Black, uh, our resident hater, uh, like <laughs> <laughs> we came up with the term hater slippers, where you just wear slippers and you're on somebody's lawn looking at him disapprovingly. And <laughs> it's either one or two, uh, you know, two slippers on or uh, is, the, is the worst grade you can get or uh, two knee pads, which is the highest grade you can get i like this just it, straight up straight up blowjobs pretty like much <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so we'll um, um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go across the board with, with, our, with, our, with our teammates here and and pass judgment on your movie right in front of right, me good yeah the director. and um i will start with uh mr being black oh i'm glad that you did because the first 30 minutes chuck i hate to say it it was i have half a hater slipper on for you because i just couldn't get what was going on in that first 30 minutes even though I'm pretty sure beat him down, uh, let you know how he felt about that. But the, the second, the second half, the second half became engaging. I, I started to really get more concerned about the characters and where the storyline was going. So half on, half off for me. All right, all right. That's what's yeah. up. That's what's up. Yeah, I can take that. Sunny, take... Sunny chips. You, you, sir. What, what, what do you think? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go uh, one knee pad, and I'm kneeling. I'm, and I'm giving a really emotional monologue <laughs> while I'm doing it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the the yeah, kind wait, of. Hold on, does the monologue sound like this? Oh wow! Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I get a couple of words out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed the the kind of like experimental feeling uh, uh, filming. Um, that, that that was presented to us again. I, I really dug the whole invasive, up close uh, style of it, and yeah, really, really beautiful monologues and great performances, and yeah, good, good stuff. I, I get, yeah, it's been said a little difficult to get into early on, but 
stick with it. It's good shit. Yeah. And, and, and here we go. So only because of how it was pitched, and, and that's the honest trick, honest to God truth. Only because of how it was pitched is um, I had two two slippers on, velour jumpsuit with the hater uh, sun visor, and I was really upset because I was like, this is, this is not funny. You're playing. You're <laughs> playing with your hater pogs. Yeah. <laughs> I got a hater. I got a hater knapsack. I was, I, I was, I was, I had a cup of coffee with both hands on it, like a douchebag. I, I was upset, and um, and I was like, I have to ride this out, cause, cause honestly, I'm a lazy piece of shit. And whenever it's like, oh, I gotta work, I gotta put work into this, and then I get salty about it. And um, you know, right when I got to what I was waiting on, you know, cause uh, the firefighter Jesus stuff, um, seeing right. Vic do his thing, uh, the fucking <laughs> the Elton John <laughs> redoing. <laughs> As that song played, like all of the fucking hater clothes just flew off of me, man. And, 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 and just miraculously went down to like, one knee pad, man. Like it was, nice. it, was right. um, it, right. was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it, it, all in all, it was a really good movie. Um, considering that you just started fucking with that cameraman, that is amazing. No, that is no, amazing. Cause, uh, yeah. it took a lot of editing. There was a lot of editing. I know that was a labor of love, and and and, and typically, we go on and on and on about uh, other stuff of how we were rated. But I will ask you this, and I asked the uh, we sure. had we had one other director on eons ago, in like episode nine or some shit, a billion years ago, and uh, I asked him uh, as far as everything that you did, as far as everything you had planned out, do you feel like you've done everything that you've absolutely could with this project and you're hundred percent satisfied with it or was there anything that you could have done differently you know up until this fucking interview yeah, <laughs> I totally felt like i could do it like i could say that but now i feel like the william andy relationship at the beginning really could have carried the day through everybody's hatred I'm or sorry. difficulty with the first 20 minutes so thank you for ruining my <laughs> perfectly delusional image of my own movie and making it into something that I have to contemplate that I didn't quite do as well as I should have. All right. All right. Good. Scratching off dream destroyed on my bucket list. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. On, on a lighter note, like, um, um, no, I'm satisfied with it, man. I worked my butt off and I had a heart attack after right. the first production meeting and came back and uh, shot it with staples in my chest, you know, three months after like, like, you can't throw down harder for a movie than everybody threw down for this movie because they were wrestling with their, their own inner demons and with the, what they might be perceived of and literally, in some cases, the threat to their family's safety. Mm. Uh, you know, so, like, everybody made this movie in the, in a, at a very high artistic level and... Um, yeah, I would go back and, and increase the William Andy relationship at the beginning to save the sort of like disjointed 20 minutes that is the first front of the movie. But uh, um, other than that, no, I think we, I think we left it all on the floor. Chuck, you have uh, anything you want to plug? Because I know you have a movie that is uh, either out now or coming out called uh, Amerigeddon. Amerigeddon. You can go to amerigeddonthemovie.com to find out where it's playing. I think it's playing in Columbus and Atlanta right now. And next week I shoot on my brother's movie. John Keyes and Matthew Tompkins are shooting The Harrowing. Um, and I'm, I'm a detective who... Uh, 
uh, no spoilers. I can't tell you what happens. Right, right, right. But uh, it's a small part. But uh, to to work with my brother Matt is always a pleasure. So that's my next thing coming up. And then I have a bunch of anime stuff coming up. Yay! Oh, uh, were you just about to tell us when Dragon Ball Super is coming? I can neither confirm nor deny whether uh-huh. or not we have already begun recording for Dragon Ball Super. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Nod. Yes. Wings. Nods. Yes. <laughs> seriously dude you have like no idea like um huge honor to have you on right. the show yeah um, no it's my pleasure you guys know how to do a show hey thanks man um yeah. we'll love to have you back um if you want to push another movie man like as many projects as you want to throw at us man we'll happily whore these things out for you bro because uh <laughs> all right we have nothing else to do we'll get we'll get the knee pads ready and warmed up i'm liking that one knee pad thing that's a good <laughs> i'm gonna see if yeah i like Spre- that. just spread it along hopefully you'll listen to this episode so you'll know what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> but Serious man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I feel like I'm missing something, but probably not. Shout out to Nerd Podcast Mafia. Uh, we have uh, two two new members that came in. It was Geek Yogurt and Superhero Speak, who actually gave me some really good information uh, about the Star Trek situation. Um, shout out to Chuck Huber. Shout out to Samson coming in here farting on the microphone. That was awesome. Right. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> and yeah, everybody have a good night. All right. Good night, ladies. You guys are awesome. Go watch the movie at Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, Arbor Day the Musical, Arbor Day the Musical, Arbor Day the Musical. What was that? What, what was that name? What was it again? Arbor Day the Musical, nice. Arbor Day okay. the Musical. Is the musical in parentheses? Uh, no, you know, and that was a big contemplation. Of really? Thing. No, it's not in parentheses. <laughs> yeah. It's too much work. So parentheses are hard. Well, man, seriously, thank you, dude. No, thank you guys. You guys know how to do this. That's nice. That's That means a lot, because this is technically yeah. episode 51. So. All right. Yeah, you know what you're doing. Keep doing it. 